Good morning, Devin Wilkins. Good morning, Simon Trevoranis. How are you this morning? I'm doing all right. I got a bit of a tickle in the throat. Is that what you've got too? Uh, yes, I do. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> Hooray for sharing. I know. And hi, everybody out there, and welcome to Insight Peterborough, which is a project of the Peterborough chapter of the Canadian Council of the Blind and... And big idea at the Innovation Cluster. All right. And speaking of um, the uh, CCB, um, I'm going to be at chapters with a bunch of people after this, uh, starting at 12, um, so that we can continue our celebration of White Cane Week. So if you're planning on going to chapters anyway, maybe you can pop in between 12 and 3 today. Uh, So we uh, do have uh, two guests today, and uh, first of all, we're going to be talking about uh, the accessibility of the new space that the Congregation of St. Paul's Presbyterian will be moving into in early March. So um, I happen to have, it does sound a little Christmassy, and yes, it was played at Christmas, but I like it, and uh, we can break <laughs> forth into joy at any old time we want to. Let's do that right now. All right.
right, and that was Break Forth into Joy, sung by the choir at St. Paul's Presbyterian Church. And speaking of St. Paul's, with us we have Cheryl Smith, who is one of the elders at uh, the church, right? Yes, that's right. I'm an elder, and I'm also on the board of managers. So uh, you're a busy lady, that's for sure. How long has um, St. Paul's been standing? The building that we're in was completed in 1859 with a major addition put on in 1885. And at the 100th anniversary of the original building, a Christian Education Wing was added in 1959. Wow. And where was the addition that was... uh like what rooms would would be in that initial original edition? The original was the uh, a rectangular shaped sanctuary with um, uh, a church hall underneath. So it uh. had uh, it had a main entrance on Murray Street and side entrances to the east and west. But it was rectangular in shape. It had, was all brick with tall, narrow Gothic windows. Uh. In 1883 to 85, the church was expanded. The walls, outer walls, were replaced with uh, cast iron columns, and uh, brick wings were added. And they and the rotunda, the round section at the back, was put on at the same time. And what about the stained glass windows? Were were they uh, there when the original church was built? It's hard to tell from early photographs. The windows at the front of the church, the main facade on Murray Street, I think were the original windows, which were just rectangular colored glass. None of the windows that we, that we know today for St. Paul's was installed before the 1930s. So I think the, the windows that were in, in the 1885 edition were dark blue and magenta colored with some plain some plain uh, glass pieces we have a couple of those windows one of which was removed recently as a keepsake nice mm-hmm. that's great but all of the colored memorial windows are from the 1930s up to the 1980s mm-hmm. so why uh, what uh, has happened to the structure that is uh, going to result in a move? Well, it's a long story, and it goes back a long, long time. But the the last 10 years have been a real challenge, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> in 2009, we were worshiping in the main sanctuary and noticed that there were some cracks uh, appearing in the plaster in the ceiling. Ooh. And uh, <clears throat> we... We closed off that room and had a major engineering study done and uh, consulted with our architects at the time. And they recommended that we put some steel columns in, in the main space of the sanctuary, going from the basement straight up to the rafters in the ceiling. The reason for the columns was to stabilize the trusses. The, um, the, the weight of the roof and the, the effect of the wooden beams and trusses drying out meant that the outer walls were trying to move away. Ooh. And uh, that was resulting in, in some cracks. Snow load 
wind loads, uh, traffic rumbling along Water Street hmm. made it very difficult. So uh, we were closed for about three months in 2009 and installed six steel columns that did their job really, really well. We moved back into the sanctuary. We continued to worship there. We used the organ and so on. But uh, three, four years later, um, the same situation started happening again. Oh, no. And uh, so we um, did a major feasibility study. We hired uh, an architectural firm from Toronto to help us determine the highest and best use of the property. And they recommended that we try and have it developed into a residential and church property. <clears throat> but by 2000 and, uh, 2015, it became evident that the, uh, the load on the, on the wings was too great. And so we moved into our church hall. And we continued to worship in the church hall and kept the sanctuary closed. Since then, um, we decided to list the property for sale because we couldn't attract any developers three years ago. We listed the property for sale in January of 2018 and had immediate offers. It was, uh, the property was of great interest. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's a great location. It's a beautiful mm. location. It's a beautiful building. <clears throat> Everything about it is amazing. It is, yeah. Just amazing. The architecture of these of these churches are incredible. They're called monumental yeah, for a reason. Uh, we don't know the architect of the 1859. We know who donated the land. Uh, we know that it was, uh, it was built uh, within two years. Mm-hmm. But wow. uh, the architects for 1885 were Gordon and Hallowell from Toronto, and they also designed and built what we know as St. Andrew's United Church ah. from the same time period, the mid-1880s. And the, uh, the style of seating in both churches is called auditorium style, which is a series of curved pews in concentric circles. Hmm. Out from the uh, out from the main altar at the front, the pulpit. The um, the interesting thing about St. Paul's was that originally in the 1850s building it had um, a very tall basement with uh, the church hall under the main the main floor of the sanctuary. But in 1885, the floor was sloped, so it provided a clear sight line the way you would have in a in a cinema. Yeah. And uh, it was higher at the south end and lower at street level at the north end. Hmm. As a consequence, the basement is under height at the north end and goes up to a height of 12 feet at the oh, south wow. end. Oh, wow. And when you go into the basement, you can see that the beams, they, the hand-hewn beams they used to support the floor in the 1859 church those beams were turned over and used again. Because they were bending and... No, they were fine. Those big square, 16-inch oh, square yeah. beams in the basement were fine. Okay. But they're all notched where they received oh. the floor joists. So now all the notches are upside down. Oh, oh wow. yeah. And it's uh, the floor is supported on uh, brick pillars as well as the new steel pillars. Wow. Wow. So um, it was the church building was sold... Yes, it was. The sale was completed at the end of August of 2018, and we have remained as tenants for the past six months. It's owned by a company called Murray Holdings Limited. Ah. It's a local developer who 
thought perhaps the building could be saved and uh, did his own independent studies knowing what we had already revealed about what we believe the state of the building to be. Mm -hmm. But it's not going to work out and the building is carefully being taken apart. Right. Oh, my. That's kind of sad. Yes. Yeah. Very sad. But St. Paul's uh, Presbyterian is moving on and moving together. That's right. <laughs> That's right. We are, um, we are an active congregation, and we want everyone to realize that we are not dissolving as a congregation. We have found a new home. We are going to be anchor tenants at the Mount Community Center. Oh, also a beautiful location. Yes, gorgeous location. We'll be renting uh, what's called the Heritage Room, and some offices beside it. <clears throat> As someone has said, from holy ground to holy ground. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, mm -hmm. a, it's the people that count, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's just a building at the end of the day. That's, yes. That's right. A church is not a building. A church is not a steeple. Yeah. <laughs> we have a children's hymn about that. It, it, what it boils down to is the church is the people. Right. So when is the move taking place? The end of February. We've been uh, packing, sorting, storing, uh, making a lot of decisions about what to keep and, and what, what really we can do without because we have changed from a, a furnished building of over 10,000 square feet to about 2,000 square feet. So obviously we can't keep everything, no. but we have all of our memorabilia, all of our archives, all of the historical plaques, all of the individual items that mean so much to us, like our 300-pound marble baptismal font. Wow. That um, takes three people to move. My goodness. <laughs> and so on. Um, we are hoping that everything will go really smoothly. The actual moving day is going to be February 28th. Meanwhile, the people at the Mount and their volunteers are working on refurbishing a couple of offices that uh, need to have their floors done and, and some painting done and so on. So that's all going to happen at the end of February into the very beginning of March. Our last service at St. Paul's on Murray Street will be February 24th, and our first service will be the very next Sunday, March the 3rd, at the Mount. Is, We're really looking forward to is it. Is there a special plan for that last service? Actually, uh, <clears throat> Presbyterian... Um, uh, Presbyterians are not totally, uh, it's not necessary, let me put it this way, it's not necessary to, to do more than decommission a building. Okay. Um, and that service is taking place on February 17th. The moderator of our presbytery is Reverend Caleb Kim, and he's coming from his church in Fenland Falls to do the de decommissioning on the 17th. And we'll have a time of um, memory sharing after that service. Okay. Lots of memories, too. Oh, incredible memories, I'm sure. Yeah. So many uh, people that, that I've met since I moved to Peterborough 20 years ago. Yeah, generations of memories. Generations, yes. yeah. People yes. grew up in that church. Um, there was a, a gentleman who was in our choir for many, many years who uh, just lived up the street when, uh, on Water Street, and his father, his father was an elder, and the Don's job on a Sunday morning was to come early and stoke the boilers with coal. Wow. <laughs> so, the, so the building would warm up. Yeah. And he remembered, he told us one time the building had a tin roof. And when it rained, you couldn't hear 
the service. No, with I'll the, bet. With the tin roof. Wow. So, uh, yes, many generations. Many yeah. generations. And, and lots of um, him, important names in Peterborough history itself. Yes. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we're moving into uh, the mount on um, the 3rd of uh, March, well, 28th of February, but the first service will be the 3rd of March. So let's go from the outside and talk about uh, a little bit about accessibility. Um, how is parking? Parking at the at the Mount Community Center is first come first served on on the weekdays, but our church office is only open three mornings a week: Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Um, after hours, there's quite a bit of parking off in the off the driveway off McDonald. At uh, McDonald and Monaghan is is the location of the driveway, so there's there's good parking. Um, there there's only at present there are some steps to get into the the main front and north side of the building. We'll be on the north side. There is one accessible entrance at the back of the building, but the Mount Community Center has plans to develop uh, ramps this year for their all of their entrances. That's great. Um, it's kind of nice, though, that um, this move is happening at the beginning of March because hopefully winter's grip will be loosening yeah. somewhat by that time, and uh, it won't. The parking lot won't be too snowy. Yes, it it does tend to, a bit to snow and ice right now. It's gravel. There is still construction going on in various parts of the building. They, are, they have a phased plan for renovating the entire space. Well, it's very encouraging what's going on at the Mount. I mean, we do have a lot of old buildings in Peterborough, and it's, it's really it's an interesting challenge to have all of these folks who, who love these buildings and the communities that use them. Uh, but it's great that we can evolve the infrastructure so that it can be more accessible and more relevant for today's needs so that's so right, it's, yeah. it's a it's a really positive thing that uh, that this is happening mm-hmm. or, or it can be taken so i agree i agree very much there is uh, there is an elevator in in the mount and uh, the uh, apartments that have been developed on the uh, on the south side off woodland drive mm-hmm. have uh, has an elevator there are some internal ramps in the building now which make it easier to get around. They have not um, taken out the main staircase, which is beautiful, mm-hmm. big, wide, it sure uh, is. oak staircase. But there are other ways to get around the building for sure. And they do tours. I mean, people should go and check out the mount. The, co- the construction there, as I said, really encouraging. They're just they keep going. Oh and, yes. And more and more and more is happening over there. Mm-hmm. So, absolutely, they're they're working uh, diligently to see all of the spaces um, renovated, and uh, it's absolutely beautiful. The former chapel is now called the Austin Doran Hall. Uh, The original chapel is now called the Auditorium, so it's a little bit smaller than what everyone knows as the main, uh, what had been the sanctuary. The Sisters of St. Joseph are still close by. They're just across the driveway in their modern building, and they do come to the Mount for special events and occasions. They've been very supportive, I understand. Terrific, yeah. Is there a particular door that people should uh, come into? 
If people need an accessible entrance, there is a narrow walkway and uh, a level door at the back of the mount, which is on the west side. There is parking there, and, okay. uh, and you can just come straight on in. And then the rooms that we will be using will be to the left as you come in that entrance. Okay. And uh, is there a, an automatic door going into uh, the, the worship uh, space? There will be an automatic door installed on the outside. Okay. Um, we have not contemplated putting automatic doors on the space that we're renting, but I have not, I have not been in touch with the, the management there to find out what their plans are. Right. Yes, eventually they would like automatic doors everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Just a matter of, of dollars and... Uh, and, and volunteers. Yeah. <clears throat> the yeah. Mount runs on their volunteers. Yeah. They, they do almost everything. An army of them, hey? Oh, my goodness. A lot of people. A lot of people. I know that the floor refinishing and painting is all being done by volunteers. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Uh, so when uh, we get inside the worship space, is uh, there going to be a special spot for people who use wheelchairs? It's very easy to arrange uh, special mm-hmm. spots because we're using uh, movable seating. Mm-hmm. We have uh, stacking chairs, and so it would be a very simple matter to move a chair or two mm-hmm. and to make sure for people with a hearing problem that they're closer to the speakers that we're going to be installing. In our former sanctuary, we had a an FM hearing system, and uh, that can easily be upgraded for anyone that has a hearing problem. Is any of that stuff salvageable from from the older location? A lot of things were already portable. Okay, yeah. For example, the sound system right. was was on a fixed console. We just picked it up off the console and put it on a table. Fair enough, yeah. Um, the FM hearing system, the very same thing. Okay, It's yeah. hooked uh, to the sound system itself. Right, so. okay. And do we have any large print hymn books? We do have one or two large print hymn books, yes. Mm-hmm. We're, like many congregations, we're getting away from using the hymn book all the time. Our, our hymn book has words and music together, and some people have a hard time oh, following yeah. along because they're not quite sure which line they're supposed to be reading. Right. And your eye jumps from the notes to the words. Yeah. So... Um, the Presbyterian Church does have large print hymn books, which is words only, but we are also um, using the bulletin itself to print a lot of the hymns now, so the words are all there, and they're in a, a more readable format. We're hoping at some point to also include a projector system uh-huh. where everything would be up on the wall, like many right. of the modern... Salvation Army, for example, right. uses um, a TV system yeah. so everyone can see what's going on, what verse it is, when to stand, when to sit. Well, almost everybody, I guess. A lot of, a lot of churches do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot yeah. Of, yes. Devin and I uh, communicate well. When it's, yes. When it's time for us to stand and sing the anthem in the choir, I say, okay, up. Yeah. <laughs> and up we get. Yeah. Very good. And I haven't been left standing for no good reason either. No. <laughs> Uh, and we do have one hymn book in Braille. Oh, yes. wow. Yeah. It takes three boxes. Yeah, no, yes. no kidding. Three banker's boxes to put all 800 and some hymns from the from the uh, Presbyterian hymn book. But I imagine it's pretty tough to keep up 
reading along with Braille and singing. Is it, Devin? Um, well, not when you're used to it. Oh, I guess that's true. Hey? Yeah. <laughs> fair, fair, enough. fair enough. And if if uh, if they get mis uh, misfiled or out of order on a Sunday morning, we can see the hymn number printed with a uh, a felt tip pen right. in the upper corner. Devin recognizes it by by the number in Braille, and we can't tell what the hymn is without saying it's hymn number four five seven. Right. And uh, and then she's got herself back in order again. Yeah. Cool. Uh, any other accessibility features that I have, that we have failed to ask you about? Well, we do know that the um, the folks at the Mount are going to be revamping the verandas at the front this year, and their hope is to uh, make the main entrance level accessible by changing the uh, taking the veranda off entirely. And making it a level slope. Hmm. Nice. Um, the, the two entrances that we'll be using will probably need uh, sloping concrete ramps, even though it's only three steps. Yeah. There's room for, for the entrance on the north side to have uh, a level ramp as well as a step. Okay. Any other uh, things I, that we should have been asking you about? Hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, you should be asking. Uh, maybe who this congregation is is for, and the answer would be, we're welcoming everyone. We've uh, been uh, really honored and blessed to have uh, Devon and her service dogs with us over the last few years. We've gotten to know both Vester and Frankie, and uh, we have uh, we have welcomed other friends in wheelchairs. Um, there are a lot of people who live around the Mount that potentially would like to come to a, a warm, welcoming congregation such as ours. And we are a very welcoming congregation. Yes, we we are. are busy, busy people. Yeah. We, we like being in the downtown. We like serving others. We have uh, a longstanding relationship with Brock Mission, with Cameron House. We have a food cupboard. Um, there are lots of reasons why um, we want to make a difference in the lives of people in Peterborough and, and around the world. And we do a lot of that, <laughs> which is uh, just uh, what we want to do. That's right. Well, thanks so much, Cheryl, for coming on and chatting with us about it. Uh, I could have given some of that information, but it helps to have a, uh, a historian like yourself. Oh, I was very pleased to be here. Thank you for inviting very, me. Very nice to have you. Thank you, Simon. Devin, should we should we end it up with all things work yes. together for good? Yes. That seems like a really fitting, uh, fitting song. It does. This is also by St. Paul's Choir. So thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you, Simon. <laughs> and thank you, Devin. You're welcome. <laughs>
that was once again the St. Paul's Choir doing All Things Work Together for Good. I just made that recording last night. I'm glad it turned out as well as it did. Oh, my goodness. So <laughs> was your voice amongst those? Yes. Oh, that was lovely then. Wow. <laughs> Am I, uh, I call it, you know how people can be arthritic? I, I say that I'm laryngetic oh, at the moment. <laughs> Maybe we play the song again and try to find your voice. <laughs> oh, no, no. You don't want to do that. There's a frog amongst them. Yeah, that's, that's right. No, that was lovely. That's almost live. <laughs> almost, almost, yeah. Well, as I, I said when I sent out my um, Insight Peterborough Blast uh, this morning, uh, today's show is all about accessibility, and uh, our next interview is as well. We have Angelica Cooper from PIP, which is... Peterborough Independent Podcasters. Hi there. Good morning. How is everyone doing today? Pretty good, thanks. How about yourself? I'm doing well. I hear you two have a cold, so I'm happy to be amongst you in this cold studio. No, hopefully I won't get sick, but I'm very excited to talk about accessibility. Yeah, okay. First of all, though, um, when I mention podcasting to people, uh, they've heard the word but they're not really sure what a podcast is. Can you enlighten us? Absolutely. So for me, podcasts are all about passion. It can be a topic about whatever it is you're passionate about. But in short, a podcast is a downloadable radio show, so you can take these stories with you. If a show airs at 9 a.m. and you're unable to listen to it, you can download it and have it and listen to it at your leisure. But the longer answer is that a podcast typically comes in series form about any topic at any length of time, and they are made by amateurs and professionals alike and listened to by millions of people. And you yourself are a podcaster. I am indeed. Guilty as charged. I have had a few podcasts and quite a few radio shows, but as I was telling Devin earlier today, this is my first time being interviewed, so it's interesting to be in this hot seat with you. (laughs) What kind of shows have you done? Oh, I've done many shows. Probably my favorite show, or what um, most people know me for. The passionate one, the one you're passionate about. Oh, very good question. Uh, The PTBO Pajama Show was a very silly show that I did on Thursday nights with my friend Bradley Boyle. Oh, cool. And we'd get dressed up in our pajamas and interview local celebrities and have a slumber party. So that was a lot of fun. (laughs) So we took a serious topic, like maybe we're talking about food insecurity in Peterborough, but we talked to a food critic about it and asked them, both serious and not-so-serious questions. But presently, I have a show called The Interview on Sundays, uh, talking to people all about how they reach their dream vocation in life. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. So um, there is a network here in the area called PIP, which is the Peterborough Independent Podcasters. Can you give us... Uh, a little bit of the history of that? Absolutely, I can. So PIP was incorporated as a not-for-profit in 2017, but it was founded or started as the brainchild of Aisha Barmania when they tried to start a, a podcast of their own and found it challenging or inaccessible. And today, through Peterborough Independent Podcasters, they attempt to make the process for starting a podcast much easier by sharing knowledge and skills and having workshops and even holding office hours for individuals. So PIP is a community of podcasters uh, that you can host on their website. You can also gain skills through their workshops. But we just help you take a radio show or a passion project that you have and get it out to the masses. 
And uh, I have to say that um, were it not for the uh, involvement that I've had with Trent Radio over the past few years, um, I probably, I like I say, I, kn- I knew the word podcasting, but I never understood what it was all about. And and now I have three, so I'm I'm happy to have had the association with Trent Radio and now with Pip. It's amazing, Devin, the work that you do. I was just talking out in the kitchen to one of your friends how I try and manage to do maybe one radio show or one podcast a week, and here you are doing three. So it's a fantastic endeavor, and you're really someone that I look up to in this regard. Well, she's evolving with the times, eh? So how long have you been in radio, Devin? Uh, let me see. Since um, 85... I wasn't even born yet. No? Yeah. No, not yet. So <laughs> Devin's been either. doing it since before I was born, and she's an absolute expert at it. And, it's, and evolving with the times. Now you're, on, now you're on the internet. Yeah, yeah, really enjoying it too. And um, so now one of the new programs that PIP has is an accessibility team. Um, can you talk a little bit about that, Angelica? Absolutely. So this was brought forth again by Aisha, and it kind of goes with our mandate. So the mandate of Peterborough Independent Podcasters is to help people make podcasts and have no barriers towards that. We're trying to be culturally inclusive, tolerant, and celebratory with podcasts and to foster freedom of speech and expression. And sometimes people have accessibility concerns with that. Sometimes uh, the technology is complicated. Sometimes uh, navigating how to upload and download and edit is really challenging. So the accessibility team meets at Sadler House uh, every Saturday from 2 to 4 p.m. And I'm a member and I help individuals upload their podcasts and make the process seem less frightening and less alienating and, and really um, welcome podcasts to everyone. Because that's what podcasts are all about. Um, accessible education for everyone. I know uh, when I wanted to upload my podcasts, I was having trouble because the screen reading program that I have uh, doesn't seem to be accessible, uh, compatible is the word I was looking mm. for, with the, um, uh, the, the podcasting software that is uh, necessary. So uh, thanks to uh, Pip, I can now um, get my podcasts out there. Absolutely. And we want there to be no barriers for someone who has a passion project or something they want to talk about and have knowledge of. We want to ensure that it's an easy transition to get your show out to everyone else. Hmm. So um, Sadler House is located at 751 George Street North. It's conveniently on the West Bank and George North bus routes. And I'm Aisha and I ensured that the PIP accessibility team meets in the library, which is an accessible space for most individuals. And we meet there every Saturday. And Sadler House also is going to be hosting a couple PIP workshops in the future. Yeah, there's one coming up called uh, Podcasting 101. You got it. And what does that uh, involve? So it's essentially a podcasting boot camp. Um, Aisha and others will give you the tools to get started. So they'll answer questions like, what's a podcast? How does podcasting work? What makes for a good podcast? What equipment do I need? And it's all happening at Sadler House. I'll give you the dates here. Um, You should bring a laptop, headphones, and any writing tools you need to take notes. But if you don't have those things and need try uh, some accommodations, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'll give you the contact information. Uh, The cost is $25. 
$20. And if you can't afford it, send us an email. And again, we will try to accommodate. But you must RSVP by email before February 10th. And uh, this is taking place. Forgive me. I'm just trying to figure out what day it's taking place on here. If you just give me a moment. The 16th, I think. There you go. February 16th it's happening. And it'll be a wonderful event. And the workshop, I should mention, is wheelchair accessible. There will be a PowerPoint presentation and an oral presentation. And the session ends with a hands-on workshop in Audacity. Audacity is not super accessible for individuals, but we can do our best to help. Terrific. And uh, certainly if anyone wants to get into podcasting, that's a, a great workshop to take. It's fantastic. I would highly recommend it. And it really breaks down any sort of confusion on podcasts and gives you all the tools to get started. Uh, and so you're not fearful of this unknown medium. It really makes it easy. So I'll ask you again uh, closer to the end of the interview, but uh, what uh, is the contact information? Absolutely. So the best way to reach us is info at ptbopodcasters.ca, and I'm happy to spell that out. So info, I-N-F-O, at ptbopodcasters, spelled P-O-D-C-A-S-T-E-R-S dot C-A. All right. And so you'll need to do that before February 10th. That's very important. Yeah. Uh, We are going to have another workshop uh, sometime in the future. We haven't set a date for it, but I use Goldwave as a sound editing software, and Aisha asked me if I would do a a workshop on Goldwave. Oh, my. Yeah. Tell us what Goldwave is. It's a... Um, it's a sound. If you wanted to take out your ahs and ums, you could do that uh, by using the software to edit out things. Fascinating. Yeah. And you're able to, do you think you, you're going to do a workshop for folks to be able to work with Gold Wave? Yes. Yeah. So we yeah. have to publicize that for sure. Yeah. When that comes out. Yeah. I, I don't know exactly when, uh, sometime in the next few weeks, probably. Uh, but and I'm not an expert, but I will teach you what I know, and I will um, try to learn more between now and then. <laughs> well, I mean, the uh, the platform set up so that folks can share what they have to say. How many folks don't get a chance to share what they have to say because the the technology or the the uh, systems that they have to use to to get their voice heard uh, are not accessible to them? Yeah. That's right. I mean, you've taken considerable uh, effort, I'm sure, to, to, to get used to using all these systems. Uh, there are other people, right? I mean, there's yep. lo- there's got to be lots of folks that want to get their message out there. Yep, that's right. You're a trailblazer, Devin, and I think <laughs> you'll tell all your friends about this accessibility team and other podcasting workshops, and I'd be more than happy to help okay. guide them through any technical difficulties or anything that makes them fearful of podcasting. It can really be an easy and enjoyable passion, as I'm sure you know. Yes, and you don't have to be, um, you know, uh, you don't have to be a major professional, you can just relax with it and uh, and uh, take it in the direction that you want to take it in, and uh, I really enjoy doing it. So is PIP, uh, we'll talk about the workshops again in, in a minute or two here, but is PIP the only uh, network of its kind, do you know? 
I'm not entirely sure if it's the only network of its kind, but I know it's the only network of its kind in Peterborough. And we have some members as far as Sudbury and other, and other places, just because what PIP offers is so attractive to people, regardless of where they're geographically located. We help with podcast idea development, audio crafting education, and even publishing your masterpiece once it's all done. So it's attractive to people from various areas who are unsure. And there was really... I don't believe there was much like it before Pip came to be because even Aisha struggled to start a podcast themselves and that's why they thought, hey, if I can create a group and help individuals start their podcast, that will make life a lot easier for many people, myself included. Yeah, so definitely. It's not a pay for service program, is it? Uh, part of it is paid, but a lot of it uh, can be through volunteering. Um, I personally, before I joined the PIP board, uh, got my membership through volunteering. But if, to host on our website, to have your own page, uh, it's $25 for the full year. But if you would like um, further things like guidance and attending workshops, if you pay $50 for the full year, so that's less than a dollar a week, uh, you can have hands-on skills, attend workshops, uh, meet with our team. But the accessibility team, which I'm doing volunteering, is absolutely free. So no one has to pay uh, for that barrier to be taken down. So that's absolutely free. But what PIP does is it, we're not for profit, but we do have some charges. Okay. Now, if uh, someone wanted out uh, there to be involved with um, uh, doing a, a podcast and they wanted to get together with you and the accessibility team, um, is it the same contact information? or Absolutely. So it's info at ptbopodcasters.ca, and if it's regarding the accessibility team, it will be forwarded to me. But if it's a question that Jeff or, or Aisha can answer, then they will answer it there. But uh, PIP has office hours on Saturday uh, around the same time as the accessibility team meets. So for, I believe between one and four is the meeting for the podcasters in general, but the accessibility team will be there between two and four on Saturdays at Sadler House. All right. That's great. Um, is there anything else that I should, uh, that we should be asking you about? Very good question. Um, again, I just want to reiterate that if you're nervous or unsure about having a podcast. Uh, for me, radio was such a freeing element in my life. I came um, from a very depressed time in my life in 2015 and started my own radio show and met a wonderful community of people who are beyond supportive and allowed me to achieve my dreams and go forward with podcasting as well. So if you're out there thinking, I don't know if this is for me, I really want to do it, but who will listen to my show? Trust me, there are people out there who are very passionate about what you are passionate about. And, of course, if you promote it in whatever way you can, um, that helps a little bit, too. It does, and you're quite the promoter. Devin has three shows that are wonderful and I would highly recommend listening to. They're some of my favorite podcasts. Hmm. And how do people find out what podcasts are available? Well, it can be a simple Google search, but if you go onto our PIP website, you can see our member directory and all the shows that are a part of PIP there. But you can uh, access them through Google or uh, CBC has a great playlist or podca of podcasts, and you can find your favorites. Honestly, a simple Google search typing in if you're interested in, let's say, birds you can type in bird podcasts and a lot of them will pop up for you and it's very easy to to download and track and uh, follow their stories cool that's great who who are the podcasters i know that uh, it's open to anybody but i'm just curious if there's kind of a, a group of folks that that typically do this and i wonder how much of an outlier devon might be 
Oh, I would say there's no typical podcaster. Podcasters can come from all walks of life. And I find with radio and with podcasting, it's a really inclusive medium. Um, you're not judged on how you look or what you might, how you might be feeling that day. You're just judged on what you say and what you're passionate about. So in terms of a typical podcast, we have a great show uh, called Peterborough Currents on our PIP website, which deals with current events in Peterborough. And then we have something as far as if you're into more um, nerd or tech and science stuff, we have something called Monster Manual Mash, which details all the different <laughs> monsters in Dungeons & Dragons, a topic that I thought I would have no interest in, but I decided to tune in one week, and it was absolutely fantastic and fascinating. So I wouldn't say Devin's an outlier. We all have different abilities, but um, podcasting truly is for everyone. If you want it to make it, then it can happen. And yep, as long as you have something to share with people, it can happen. That's very true. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. So don't hesitate. Another moment, folks. Don't do it. And I'm sure you'll have a listening audience. Even if it starts off as just your mom for the first show, it'll eventually get bigger and bigger and snowball. And there'll be people. I've met wonderful people through podcasting and have had endless opportunities presented to me just because of, I talked about what I like. With radio, it's, it's sometimes difficult to estimate how many listeners you might have. But with the podcast, it's a number of clicks and it counts, doesn't it? Yes. And sometimes I try not to get too focused on how many people are listening. It's just most recently I did a, uh, an interview about a play and it got 40, 40 listens in one night. And I try not to think of it in numbers. I try and think of it, i really passionate. Did I edit it well? Did I ask good questions? And then, you know what? If more people are interested in it, all the better. Mm-hmm. And it's forever. It's forever. It's online for all of time, is that right? It is, and it can be downloaded onto your computer or smartphone, and it can be listened to someone across the world. I've had listeners from Australia, from Russia, from various countries. It's really connected. Cool, that is neat. Yeah. It's 20 bucks to get your message out there for all of time. That's all of time. And if you volunteer, you, there's not much of a price. We try and make it as inclusive and accessible as possible, and we will always work with you to make it happen. Cool things happening in Peterborough. Definitely, yes. So once again, uh, for the last time, the contact info? Absolutely. So it's info at ptbopodcasters.ca, and we have a wonderful workshop coming up on Saturday, February 16th from 1 to 4, Podcasting 101. Uh, I'm just trying to get the contact information here. So if you could send us an RSVP email before February 10th at info at ptbopodcasters.ca, uh, the cost is $20, but truly, if you can't afford it, please talk to us. And um, we're really excited to come and s to see you and to help you achieve the podcast of your dreams. And that's the same contact information for the uh, podcasting accessibility team. Absolutely. Info at ptbopodcasters.ca. Angelica, thank you so much uh, for everything you do for the accessibility team and your, uh, your own podcast, of course, which uh, once again is called The Interview. So I typically air Sundays between 4 and 5 p.m. here on Trent Radio, and I'm making it into a podcast in a few weeks. All right. Terrific. Thank you so much. We really appreciate your being here, and I hope you get lots of uh, uh, contacts from uh, people wanting to um, make use of the accessibility team. I'm truly excited to see new faces, and thank you both for having me on the show. Very good. You know, I was talking to Aisha last week, and I said to her, uh, to them, what... Um, uh, 
song, what music mm-hmm. could we use that is appropriate to podcasting? And she said, hmm, I can't really think of any. And then I said, are there any podcasters that do any recording? And she said, oh, yes, there are. And she mentioned Trent Radio's own Rob Hailman. And so uh, we have uh, a couple of uh, songs by No Pussyfooting, uh, but we also have one by him as a solo project. Oh, wow. And it's called Riding the Moonbeam. So would you like to hear the the Riding a Moonbeam? Yep, that sounds good. Here we go. Riding a Moonbeam will take us out. Thank you very much. Bye, guys. We'll build